0: i Church. I am so glad that you are in God's house today. How many of you are excited that it is Liberty Sunday? You know, I I love what Pastor Troy says. He says there are a lot cheaper churches to go to in Charlotte, North Carolina. There are churches that don't have vision. But here at Freedom House, we have vision, and we want to see the vision that God has given to this house come to pass. I love the fact of all of you that are sitting in this room today. You're sitting in this chair. You're sitting in this building. We're, we're not in the cold. We're not in the rain. We are in this building because somebody else, before you got here, decided to sew, and here you are today reaping the benefits of somebody else's sowing. So when we do that later on today, just think about the other people that are going to be impacted because of what you're going to do today. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. And I'm super excited because we have people from all over the world right now that are joining us. The Netherlands, Nigeria, California, North Carolina, Georgia, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Colorado, South Carolina, Virginia, Michigan, and Sweden. Give it up for all of them. We are so glad that you are here today. Welcome to Freedom House. Uh, We have actually been in a series called Firm Foundation, and I'm excited because last month we spent an entire month making sure that before we build, that we build upon the right thing. Because you can build an amazing structure, but if you don't build it on the right thing, it's not going to stand. So this month, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what you erect, what you build on top of that foundation. And so we're going to go through and we're going to talk about uh, the entire month, the eight disciplines that every Christian must have. The eight disciplines. Now, What I said was I said the eight disciplines that all Christians need, not the person that's on the platform, not the disciplines that the pastor needs, Not the disciplines that my life group leader needs, but there are eight disciplines that every single one of us need to apply to our life in order to be an effective Christian. Now, I think it's funny because nothing of significance will happen without discipline. And so people will come up to my husband and I often, and they will immediately look at him, And they will go, dude, where do you work out? What's your routine look like? All of these things. They never ask me that. Because discipline in that area is very evident on his life. And in the life of a believer, if there are disciplines that we enforce in our life, there will be evidence, there will be fruit from that. So first thing I want to do is just list all of these disciplines for you so you can write them down. And let me just tell you what what pastors love. When we are getting in front of God and asking for the download of what we're supposed to share, we love it when we see you taking notes. And that's why we even updated our app, because you can go in the app and write under Pastor Penny Firm Foundation, and you can write all of your notes. You can keep up with all of the series. Everything is right there on your Freedom House app in your phone. You can pull out your notes. I like to take notes also in my phone. And then... You can do old school pen and paper. We are so good with that too. But what it lets me know is it lets me know that not only are you serious about what I'm saying today, but you wanna go back and have those notes to look over again to reinforce what you heard today. So these eight disciplines, the first is prayer, fasting, rest, Worship, study, community, confession, and generosity. So I thought what I would do today is I would take community and confession, and because they're so closely related, I would talk about both of them and tie them in. So I figured the first way to do that is to start off by making a little bit of a confession. I I am the type of person, I just love people. I'm all about people all day long, every day. Sometimes I leave tasks undone because I'm more interested in the people. That kind of happened for me in high school and college I remember my parents calling me about my grades in college, and they said, I sure hope you had a whole lot of fun, and I said, don't worry, it was worth it. I did, I did, because the grades didn't show it, right? I was just all about the people all day long, and I love to have people over in my house, and so one night, Pastor Troy and I were getting ready for life group. And so because everybody's coming over to our house, I had to make sure everything was clean. Everything was spotless. So you could, you could smell the pine saw, right? It was smelling so good in there. And I was so excited because my countertops were sparkling. The floor was so clean. I mean, there were no toys. There was, it was so clean, I couldn't wait for people to come over, but then if you know me, you know I also like to cook, and you ain't coming over my house, and I'm not going to feed you in some way, so I had made all this food. I put it out all over the counter, then I made sure to light the candles, and I put the music on so I could you know, get the vibe good for when everybody got there. And it was so incredible. The doorbell kept ringing and ringing and ringing, and I was loving it. Before long, my house was full. I mean, wall-to-wall people. And I was all excited until these two men in the group got a really great idea. Women would never do this, can I just tell you. These two men... Before I even had a like slow motion chance to yell no. These two men go, "Hey Pastor P, we're going to take your sofa and move it." And so each of them gets an end and like on a count of 3, they take my sofa and they move it back like 4 feet. You don't understand. You don't move a girl's furniture because what they did is they actually, the the farce that I had tried to create of perfection, of clean, of everything looks wonderful, the food's waiting, the candles, the music, and, and, and they destroyed it all because there, under the sofa, is the half-eaten fruit roll-up, the Cheerios, the dust bunnies, the Jolly Rancher that's stuck to the floor, the dog bone that he'd half-eaten, a hot dog that was all shriveled up. I mean, it's all under the sofa, everything for everybody to see. It was a painful, painful moment. But do you know what everybody did? Not one person was like, oh my gosh, look at her sofa. Look at that. One guy grabbed a broom and a dustpan. Another helped me get the vacuum out. They were all helping me clean up my mess. Because see, I didn't even think or pay attention or even cross my mind To look underneath the sofa. I had no idea anybody would be moving it, and women would not do that. But now there's a revelation of something that was underneath the surface, and I tried so hard to paint a different picture. And here you go everything is out in the open. But I love the fact that they helped me clean everything up. They didn't accuse me, they didn't say anything ugly. As a matter of fact, they all probably acknowledged that the same thing was probably true under their sofa. And I think that's what happens sometimes in community. We avoid deep relationships we keep people at a distance because we want them to perceive a particular idea of who we are. And we know in proximity, they're going to see our dust bunnies. And so let me keep you at a distance Because then, then I don't have to acknowledge anything. I don't have to deal with anything. And you get to keep this perception of me that is honestly no one's reality. And here's the truth of the matter. If you came in these doors today, Freedom House is a hospital. We are here to help broken people. Now, some of you may come in on the gurney needing life support and some of you may have a broken toe. But the point of the matter is all of us come in to this hospital and there is something in our life that is a bit messy. That's why when you walk in here, any hospital you go in, you get a hospital gown. And when you put your arms through that hospital gown, do you know what I find really interesting? The back of it is always gaping open. There's always a big view of your ugly backside that you can't hide in the hospital. The point of the matter is is that here in church we are called to be real. We are called to be vulnerable. We are called to be open. But we've spent the majority of our life doing the opposite. So when we come into environments like this, we don't really know what to do. We're afraid to ask for help for our marriage. We're afraid to talk about the eating disorder. We're afraid to talk about the the pornography addiction. That if you take statistics, it's in the 90% range of men struggling with that. But how many people are allowing for their sofa to be removed and say, you know what? That has been under there. And I want people in the community to help me clean that up. Because we, we want for people to see us in a certain light, which is really more about our pride than it is about our healing. And what is our purpose? Well, I know if we're coming in here, our purpose is to get healed. And other people being in community is part of how you find your healing. And some of you might be saying, listen, listen, I've been hurt in church before. I'm not interested. Let me just tell you that church didn't hurt you. Messy people hurt you. And messy people were at the bar last night and you still went. Messy people were at the Olive Garden and you still went. Messy people are at your job every day and you still go there. But maybe part of the problem is, is we have an expectation that is unrealistic. And we're going to address that today. Because if you walked in this building today, you are messy. Messy. The person sitting in their seat right now beside you is messy. The person sitting in your seat is messy. As a matter of fact, we all have an as is tag. How many of my bargain shoppers, how many, we got some bargain shoppers in here? I love shopping for bargains and You know, uh, Pastor Stephanie, myself, and Pastor Diana, we were all um, out in Colorado two weeks ago, and we were shopping, and of course, there's this big basket, and we all are drawn to the big basket because it says $10. And then we find out that it's an as-is basket. And what do you do when you find out something is as-is? You do what we did. We started picking everything up, looking over it, trying to find what the issue was. Oh, oh, this has got a busted zipper. No, no, I don't think I want to deal with that. Oh, this has got a missing button. Yeah, you know what? I can can do the missing button. For $10, I can do the missing button. Oh, this one's been damaged in the sun. No, I'm not going to be able to do anything with that. Oh, this has got a rip on the sleeve. That is a lot how life is. We all have an as-is tag on us, and the thing of the matter is, is you got to look for it sometimes. When we're rummaging through that bin, it didn't tell us what was wrong. We had to look for it. We had to search for it. Proximity. We're turning it upside down, looking around, trying to find. What are we trying to find? is it worth the price I'm going to pay to accept this as is? That's what we're trying to determine. And just before we get any further, I thought what I would help you do just to take this with you is on the end of each seat on the far uh, left-hand side, there is a container and there are as is stickers in there. And I want you to reach over Grab the one with the as is stickers and I want you to pull that out because I want you to know this isn't just for Bobby, this isn't just for Susie, this isn't just for Jan, that every single one of us has an as is sticker and we need to remember that when we engage in relationships. Now, here's the thing. I wish relationships were this easy where it was written on our tag. Hey, she can be a bit bossy. Hey, he he drinks a little too much. Hey, he's got an anger problem. Hey, she's got a gossip issue. She loves to gossip. Hey, he loves Jesus, but he cusses a little. that all of our issues were right here so we could quickly just go, oh yeah, I can deal with that. Oh yeah, I can handle that. But they're not. And so what happens is in proximity, those things start to come out and we see the truth. The truth about who people really are. And the truth is, is all of us have issues. As a matter of fact... You want to know what normal is? It's nothing but a setting on a dryer. That's all normal is. It's a setting on a dryer. What if, what if we actually embrace the fact that all of us are messy, all of us come with an as-is tag, And here's the thing about the as-is merchandise. There's no refunds, no exchanges, and no returns. You got to take it like it is. And, And listen, if you're politically correct today, and you're probably not or you wouldn't come to this church. There's plenty in Charlotte you could go to. But just for anybody that might just want to incline themselves that way, if me saying you have an as-is sticker is a little hard to hear, let me be politically correct for you. You ready for this? Okay, okay. For, for my politically correct people, you are slightly irregular. Irregular. Because sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that we're damaged because it makes us feel weak. So, you know, I remember the first time I tried to get my husband to go counseling. He's like, that's for weak people. And I said, you have coaches in every area of your life that you want to be successful in business, in golf, in working out, but you don't have one and you're spiritual and mental. And I'm telling you, you need to go and work some stuff out, Troy Maxwell. This is like 22 years ago. And the first session we had with the counselor, the counselor says, So tell me a little bit about your past. And Troy goes, Everything was great in my life growing up, everything was wonderful. And I was like, What are you talking about? He would have gotten away with that if I was not there. And I began, to, I said, Troy, your mother was a drug dealer. Your father's an alcoholic who had third-degree head trauma. You witnessed your mom, you know, being raped. You were abandoned. You were left. And I just went through trauma after trauma after trauma. Like 30 things I spouted off my mouth. And he's like, well, since you put it that way, he'd never pulled his sofa back. So he was living in this life that, oh, well, everything's just good, everything's okay. But signs were showing up in our marriage, and I said, no, 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 there's some stuff I feel like we need to dig in a bit. Community brings that out. Now, why does community bring that out? Were they intentionally trying to embarrass me and show everybody how dirty my sofa was? They weren't. As a matter of fact, when that got revealed, they all pitched in to help me. But in our mind, sometimes we want to stay at a distance because maybe we've even convinced ourselves that everything is perfect and great and wonderful. But there will always be signs, check engine lights. Just because we ignore the light doesn't mean that your car isn't out of oil. All the women said, Amen. Actually, the men said amen. The women said, oh me. So what if we embraced each other's messiness? Because 20 different times in the New Testament, that word community, that word fellowship is used, is the word koinonia. And you can't have koinonia at a distance. Let me say that again. You can't have community at a distance. You don't understand, Pastor Penny, I'm an introvert and this is just me, no, 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 that's a cop-out. You don't understand, Pastor Penny, like my last church, no, 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 that's a cop-out. You don't understand what I went through growing up, no, 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 that's a cop-out. Anytime we don't do something God's way, we are going to look for an excuse as to why. I could have a thousand excuses of why I should not be up here right now. A thousand. But I can either be a victim or I can be a victor. I don't get to be both. I have to choose. So at some point, we've got to relinquish our lives and allow ourselves to get into community. Listen, listen. Hey, I like God. I have no problems with God. I just got a problem with some of these people. Thought you might say that. And some of you are watching online today, not because you're in another country, but because you are right here in Charlotte and you're afraid to walk in the doors. I wanna invite you to come in to community. Even if it's messy, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But Luke 10, 27 says this, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. How can you love your neighbor if you're distant? You see, the truth of the matter is, is that loving God in the Bible is followed a close second by loving people. Mark twelve thirty says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no suggestion greater than these. Does it say suggestion? What does it say? Commandment. 1 John four twenty one, And this suggestion we have from him, does it say that? What does it say? Commandment. That whoever loves God must also love his brother. Very interesting. So here's the question I have. How do we get close without getting hurt? All right, so I'm gonna use the two of you. If y'all can come up here. Come up here. Just put all your little stuff down. No, no, no. You gotta come all the way up here. All the way, nice try. (laughs) And y'all stand right here for me. So here's the question. The question is, how do we get close without getting hurt? I'm going to give you three secrets, and I want you to write these down. I want to start with the first one, which you might not like too much, But if a pastor isn't stepping on your toes sometimes and you're in the wrong church, your toes should be stepped on sometimes. Right? That was a really good place to say amen. And I had one lonely over here in the crowd. We're going to try that again, right? There we go. There we go. So how do we Go through life, how do we get close without getting hurt? Well, the first thing is focus on what's broken in you first. Because when we started talking about the as-is tags, many of us started going to all the different people that we knew that were broken. And what we need to do is we need to first acknowledge and address what is broken in us. Because in order for us to embrace other people's mess, we have to be okay with our own. And honestly, most people are not. Most people are not. Let me explain to you what I mean. I wrote a book called Setting Broken Bones. And it's all about how to heal from things that have hurt you. And we have it in the salt, in our resource area. If you want to get a copy, I would encourage you to read it. But here's, here's, I wanna take a excerpt of something I put in the book and I wanna paint a picture for you. Let's just say that five-year-old little Penny is over here and she went through emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, was abandoned, all of these things happened to little Penny, five years old. And we're gonna equate this to she got a splinter in her hand, a splinter, very painful. And the splinter stayed in her hand and here she is, 10 years old, little Penny, and little Penny has not removed that splinter because she's still in an environment where she's getting splinters, She's trying to survive. She's trying to get through. Penny is now 20 years old. And she still has that splinter. The problem is, is, it's not just an infection in her hand anymore. It's gone all the way up her arm because it was never removed. And then fast forward to 30-year-old Penny. Now it's not just in her arm, it's starting to move across her chest and affect some of her vital organs. 30-year-old Penny is now septic. She is septic, and at any moment, the end could happen because of a splinter that was not addressed. Move forward to 51-year-old Penny today And 51-year-old Penny has a major splinter in her hand that she has never dealt with, she has never fixed, and she hears in church on a Sunday morning, How she should be in community, and in community is where you find your healing. In community is where you find your help. In community and proximity is where you need to be. And so 51-year-old Penny is thinking, I've been hurt my entire life by people, but I'm going to risk, even though I've risked before and been hurt, I'm going to risk in community and I'm gonna believe that something good will come from community. So what I do is 51-year-old Penny comes up and tries to engage in relationship. Hey, (gasps) you've hurt me. Why did you do that to me? And she's going, "Uh, what are you talking about? Because she's not hurting. Now, did she hurt me? Y'all are shaking your head no. She actually did hurt me because, see, I'm septic, and I'm wounded, and I'm hurt. So when when my wounds try to come into what should be a healthy relationship, I'm backing up because you have wounded me and hurt me, and why can't you see what you've done? And she's like, what the heck is going on? What are you talking about? Now, she did hurt me, but if I was healthy, it would not have hurt. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what happens is I go in, I try to do relationship with her, I back away, and you know what? This is everything I thought it would be. This is everything that happened to me my whole life. This person left, this person did that. I tried, and look what happened. And then they hear at church again, listen, we're all about, okay, okay, God, fine, fine, I will go in, maybe Orgene won't do, Orgene, you did it too. What, why are you doing this to me? What's going on? All I did was try to get close to you. Do you know how many times I see this every day? I see it at work. Yes, here in this Christian office, I see this. I see this in counseling appointments. I see this in the hallway, in relationships. You see, what is happening is that in community, they're getting close to my wound, and I have an opportunity at that moment to blame every person I've ever been in contact with my whole life or I have an opportunity to say, this hurts me, and I don't know why it hurts me, but would you guys help me figure out why? Can you help me right now? Because I'm feeling some kind of way, and I don't understand. I'm feeling exposed. You pulled my sofa back. I'm a bit embarrassed. I don't want you to know I've been married three times, but... but What I'm doing when I remove myself is I'm depleting myself of the healing that I need because, see, in community, I can come up right between them and they can say, we love you, we'll help you with the splinter. And I may, it may hurt like the Dickens at first, but I go, okay, And Orgene gets her spiritual tweezers out and begins to remove that. And the infection, it doesn't go away right away. And they begin to help me. And and I begin to understand that it wasn't Orgene that hurt me. That it was unhealed behaviors from my past. That it's not my past if it's still affecting my present. And it's causing me to remove myself, but they help me. And it doesn't mean there's not friction. When iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. So they might have a conversation with me. Give them a hand, by the way. They might have a conversation with me that looks like, hey, there are some unhealed parts of your life, and you need to deal with it. A lot of churches, they don't do that. You can come in and you can leave and you can stay wounded and broken your whole life. This church ain't like that. We, we want to know you. We want to know who you are. And so when we see your splinter, because you have one, because guess what? We all got one. Some of us have gotten infected though. And so when we come into relationship, we have to be willing Just stretch it out and say, I'm wounded. And here's the thing. My husband didn't even know to say he was wounded. He he allowed just the cover-up, the great cover-up. If you don't move the sofa, you never have to address anything. And so here I am in marriage. I'm moving his sofa of everything he thought was perfect and great. But that was a splinter. He, he learned to cope through life by not dealing with things because that was a survival technique. For me, I was the opposite. I grew up, and I'm going to find out because I'm not going to get burned again. So i got my x-ray eyes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's called being hypervigilant and you don't know you're doing it, you think you're using discernment and wisdom. So when those two collide, I'm trying to push his sofa, and he's like, leave my sofa alone. I'm like, no. I'm trying to force my dustbuster up underneath there. We will have problems when we cannot acknowledge our own stuff in relationship because we're gonna project that onto everyone else. How do we get close without getting hurt? The second thing is let the right people in. The majority of the time, I would say probably 99% of the time I've gotten burned in relationship is because I let the wrong people in. I ignored the obvious red flags. I did not keep my boundaries up, maybe because they guilted me or, or they, they manipulated me in some way, so I brought my boundaries down when I should have kept them tight. And we have to understand that even Jesus had boundaries. He had the multitudes, which were a ministry opportunity. He, he didn't bring the multitudes in super close. He loved the multitudes, but he had the multitude. He had the 70 that he dispatched. Then he had the 12. And even with having the 12 disciples, the Bible shows very specifically that Peter, James, and John were his three closest. They knew more about him than even the 12 You see, the problem that happens is sometimes we bring somebody who's in the multitude, we bring them in close in one of our three and we never should have done that. Maybe they guilted us. Well, why can't we this? Why can't we that? Pressured us. When somebody pressures me, no. My, My red flags go off, my boundaries start going up. That is not how we're supposed to do relationships where we're pressured. And so the majority of the time, where I've made mistakes, it's not, the problem was not the people, the problem is the place we give some of them. They're, they have a seat at your table that they should not have. The Bi- Bible says, you bring fire into your bosom and you will be Burned. We've got to understand, we are called to love everyone, but I am not asking you to be BFFs and pull everyone in close. Community is not about every single person being your confidant. That's reserved for specific people. So understand that balance. The third thing on how we get close without getting hurt, is we have to have realistic expectations. Which honestly, because of all that I went through, I need people, I needed people to prove to me, like sign in blood that you are safe before I will let you in. I had high walls. And I talk about that in my book, that I had to learn to replace the wall with a gate. You see, a gate can let people in and out and it closes and opens, but a wall keeps everybody out, including God. Now, here's what I've also learned. My job is not to go and karate chop somebody's wall down. The wall is there for a reason. My job is not to go strap somebody to a gurney and extract their splinter. My job is to point the wall out, show the splinter to them so they can be part of the healing process of their own deliverance. And it's extremely important for us to understand when we put expectations on other people to perform, we're going to be disappointed every single time. If I could have made Troy Maxwell 31 years ago when we got married sign a piece of paper that said, you will never hurt me. You will never betray me. You will always be everything I needed. Every moment, I would have. But it's not realistic. We fight, we argue, and then he apologizes for how wrong he was. Do you know how many times people quit on relationships because they didn't have the tools to work through them? You have two wounded people with splinters in their hands and they're at a stalemate. Wounded, septic. There's healing in this house and you have to come and say, I'm gonna show my splinter. I want the healing that is in God's house and I know I know that sometimes it hurts in the process of getting healed. Just like any surgery where if cancer's being removed from somebody's body, there's a process of cutting out that has to happen. But here's the thing, there is nothing that two healthy people cannot work through. Conversely, There is nothing that two unhealthy people can work through. You gotta get the help. You gotta get rid of the infection. Proverbs 17, nine says, love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendship. See, here's the thing. You can't get out of community because we are designed and fashioned and formed in God's image, and God himself exists in community. It's called the Trinity. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Now they all respect each other's boundaries. Jesus said, I am going, therefore the Holy Spirit can come. The Holy Spirit never said, wait, 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 I want to die for the sins of the world. Do you understand? Three in one, they respected boundaries in community. It's the same thing with us. God is not going to preempt the way that He designed us to reflect His own intensely relational image. He's not going to sidestep it just because, you know, we're an introvert. He's not going to sidestep it because, you know, somebody hurt you in your past. God says we are made for community. And as a matter of fact, I could not find one time in the Bible, not one time where somebody got their healing where there wasn't somebody else there that helped to aid it. Not one time. Whether it was in Mark and the the four friends carried the paralyzed man and Jesus healed the paralyzed man and said it's because of the faith of your friends. Whether it was the woman with the issue of blood who, who for 12 long years, had a blood condition and she had to leave her isolation and come out to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus amidst the people. Or maybe it was Naaman the leper who who came and wanted healing and and he didn't like what the prophet said and and his sidekicks, his servants, were like, you need to listen to the prophet. Stop being prideful and listen. Listen. And so he did, and he got his healing every single time. You see, God show up with healing. There are people involved. As a matter of fact, in James five fourteen, it says, Is any among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. God doesn't have to use people. He chooses to use people. That is why every week, you want to know why we have our leaders up here in the front? Every week we have our leaders up front because we want you to know that you can come and confess what's going on in your life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's a symptom in your body, whether it's an eating disorder you're struggling with, whether it's insecurity. You can come and confess your hurts, your pains, your sins, your issues, And touch and agree with someone that you may be healed. That is what it's all about. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Listen, we are meant to be each other's answers. The need for community is woven into the very fabric of our being. The very fabric of our being. Healthy community brings about confession. I am able to be vulnerable and tell you what I'm walking through, tell you what I'm going through. I didn't mean for y'all to see all the stuff under my sofa, but proximity is going to show you what's in my life. And seeing as how you are seeing this, I might as well go ahead and have you help me clean it up. Because on my own, I might not have discovered it. But thankfully, you can help me. That's what life groups are all about. You see, true community requires transparency, authenticity, and it leads to confession. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know what I find interesting? There are oftentimes people who say, you don't understand, I can't be vulnerable. I'm a leader in the church. And if somebody knew I was struggling in my marriage, then it might look bad upon me. Let me just tell you something. If you're struggling in your marriage and you're a leader, what a good leader does is get help. That's a good leader. A good leader is not one that pretends. And if there's something we can do in this church to love you and help restore What's been broken, that's our job. That's our job. Well, you don't understand. I'm the CEO of my company, and I I can't acknowledge certain things. I've got to have a certain appearance. In order to lead people, they have to have a certain perception of me. I'm a small group leader. People need to be able to have a certain perception of me. I'm a mom, I'm a dad. I've got to look like I'm strong, like I've got it all together. Do you know what's interesting to me about that? Is that's not what Jesus modeled. Here is the greatest leader to ever walk this planet. And his hardest, most difficult, gut-wrenching moment. Because see, sometimes we say, well, why would I go to so-and-so? They can't do anything about it. So, So why would I go to them? It's not about whether somebody can fix your situation. Because Jesus was in the garden distraught. He said, I'm hurting so bad right now, I could literally die. God, if there's another way, please do it another way. He was in anguish, the most anguish he had ever been in. And what does he do? Does he try to look like, you know, pompous Jesus? No, he comes broken to the three. Understand, he didn't show this to the multitude. He goes to the three and he said, I am hurting right now unto death. I'm so sorrowful. Can you please just sit with me? Can you be there? And they were human. They fell asleep when Jesus continued to pray. And Jesus goes off and prays some more. And he's still in anguish. And he comes back to them. Three times he does that. He wasn't concerned of, oh, wait. Peter's going to deny me soon. So I can't really show my face to Peter. Because if I'm vulnerable, maybe he won't see me as the great Messiah. I mean, a lot of people are already doubting me. i got to come across a certain way. No. He was vulnerable. I'm hurting. I'm sweating drops of blood right now. I'm in anguish. Please be with me. That's the model that he modeled. Jesus didn't just exist in community here, but because of the Trinity, he also exists in community in heaven. And what I want you to know today is that if you have not been a part of that community, the community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right now in your seat, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head. And those of you online watching, the same thing. If you say today, you know what? I have maybe stepped back, maybe I've built walls to, against God and, and other people. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I've removed myself from that community. Or maybe you've never been involved in God's community and He is asking you to do that today. If you would say, I'm going to bring the walls down and today I'm accepting an invitation to be a part of the greatest community that there ever was would you just take your hand and just put it over your heart right now? Just take your hand. Say, no more hiding. God, not from you, not from other people. Maybe maybe you've been hiding in church. Maybe you've been hiding in your relationships with other people for fear, insecurity, self-preservation, protection, take your hand and put it over your heart too and say, God, I'm gonna let you be my protector and stop always trying to protect myself. God, you're a much better protector than I am. Let's all of us say this together today. Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're our protector. We thank you that we can be safe in you. You are our refuge in the storm. And we can rest and exhale and know that you've got us no matter what. We relinquish control and we relinquish fear to you, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.